Welcome to the first Thursday of 2022. Today, actually, I want to, you know, uh, give you a special treat. Uh, today, I want us to pray with the Bishop Ambrose of Milan. He is a church father in the 4th century and uh, actually better known as a pastor of a young Augustine. Young Augustine was uh, deeply impressed by the uh, spirituality and faith and intellectual, intellectual of uh, Ambrose of Milan. So from time to time, uh, we will read with the church, we will pray and read with the church fathers and medieval church doctors. And today we'll begin daily breath with uh, Ambrose of Milan's prayer. So would you join me in prayer? Oh Lord, you have a mercy on all. Take away my sins and mercifully kindle in me the fire of your Holy Spirit. Take away my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh, a heart to love and adore you and a heart to delight in you, to follow and enjoy you. For Christ's sake, amen. Psalm 23 has taught us about our posture to God in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, and God's provisions in verse 2 and 3, and God's protection in verse 4. Today, verse 5 teaches us about God's party. So today is about party that God lavished on us. So let's read Psalm 23, verse 1 to 5. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for the sake of his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with the oil my cup overflows. Yesterday we saw God's protection in the valley of a shadow of death. Today we, we see where God leads David and us after a difficult, dangerous journey. The final place that our good shepherds lead us is a lavish party, where we find God is a happy host and the, I am the honored guest. Psalm 23 now brings another image of God, that is a host. Host. In order to reflect the Psalm 23 verse 5, first we need to have a general understanding of party or feast in the ancient Middle East. Hospitality at meals is a critical as aspect of a traditional Middle Eastern culture. In the East, man's fame is spread by means of his table and lavish hospitality rather than by his possessions. In traditional Middle Eastern culture, when you want your community to know that you have acquired wealth or some success, you do not, you do not buy an expensive car or a large house with acres of grass around it. Rather, you host meals with three times as much food on the table as a numerous guest can eat. The modern Western way of showing off possessions assumes isolation and distance from the community. 
the ancient Middle Easterners celebrate their blessings with their community with their community through a fancy party, and strangers and neighbors alike discuss the tables where they have been guests. Such tales spread from one town to another, are handed down from one generation to another. There is even cons considerable gossip as to how guests and strangers are entertained. That's the cultural background of Psalm 23 verse 5. Here, we need to notice the three particular phrases that pointed out gospel truth. Three particular phrases that pointed out gospel truth. The first phrase we need to notice is, you prepared a table before me. To prepare a table means prepare a meal. This phrase cannot mean set the table because in the traditional Middle Eastern society, people are eating without using individual plate or eating utensils. Eating is carried out by tearing a small piece of flat bread and using it to lift food from the common dish or communal dish to the mouth. So each bite starts with a fresh piece of bread. There is nothing to do, so there's no need for the utensils. So, there's, so this has nothing to do with a set the table except, uh, uh, you know, perhaps the spreading the rock. As regards to the food, servants and women prepare the meal. Master of a house just provides the food. He does not prepare, meaning cooking. For instance, do you remember when Abraham entertained God and his angels in Genesis 18? He told Sarah, quick, get the finest floor, a floor, floor and knead it and bake some bread. And then he selected a choice tender calf and gave to the servant who hurried to prepare it. So the phrase prepare a table clearly attached to cooking and that is a work of a female and especially in the Proverbs chapter 9, verse 2 and 5. The wisdom has built her house, she has slaughtered her beasts, and she has mixed the wine. She also prepared her table, and she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. You know, all this means, God is a humbly and lovingly prepares a meal for us, and here, the image of God is a clearly feminine rather than masculine. Truly, image of God includes womanhood. And the Genesis 1 tells us God created man and woman in his image. So first gospel truth today is that God happily prepares heavenly feast and meal for us like our mothers do for us. Have you had a great meal by your mother? Imagine, our God is our loving, loving mother. Yes, yes. Our God is, is a heavenly father, is a heavenly mother, you know. Don't be bogged down by the, you know, uh, male, male imagery here. The second phrase we need to notice is in the presence of my enemies. This phrase 
it's a difficult one. And uh, I actually had to uh, uh, read quite a bit on this and need some explanation. Some think that uh, my enemies means uh, pure uh, prisoners of a war or captives of the battle that David won. So they said it was a victory celebration. While that might be original context, I think, spiritually speaking, this phrase, the presence of my enemies, implies a different and deeper victory. The central core of what is affirmed in this party is that God, my host, demonstrates his costly love to me, irrespective of who is watching. People hostile to me will observe what God is doing and they will be shocked and even provoked. God honors me over and against the hostility of my enemies. God honors me to the point of provoking my enemies. He knows their hostility against me and he does not care. He offers his love for me anyway. At this point, I thank God for Kenneth Bailey that I uh, quote several times this week. I owe Kenneth Bailey for the following biblical connection and theological insight. So listen to you know, a summary of uh, Kenneth Bailey very carefully here. In the parable of a prodigal son, the community hates the prodigal, and on his return, would I have a trash in him were it not for the costly intervention of a father in public on the road? When you take a cornerstone Bible study, you will see the whole you know, understanding. But celebratory party that evening is not just a gesture of a welcome to return of the prodigal. It is a celebration of a success of a costly efforts of the father in reconciling his son to himself. Community despised the prodigal because he offended and shamed the family on his departure and now has come back in rags after losing the family's money. The community will come to the banquet to show honor to the father for his costly efforts at restoring his son. They will not attend a banquet in honor of the prodigal. Thus a son could say to himself that evening, my father has ordered a banquet as a gesture of a restoration in the presence of my enemies. The village does not like me. My older brother hates me. But my father on the road in full view of a village demonstrated great love for me in spite of a hatred of family and community against me. End of quote. You know, this unconditional love of God was not just a parable, but it actually happened in real life. So when it comes to the story of Zacchaeus, what happened? Jesus spent night in the house of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector of Jericho, and the town people was angry. And Bible said they complained that Jesus has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Again and again, Jesus engenders hostility because of people with whom he chose to eat his meals with. He demonstrated costly love 
to his table companions by eating with them in the presence of their enemies. Brothers and sisters, God honors me over and against the hostility of my enemies. God honors me to the point of provoking my enemies. I especially think about the Satan, my accuser. You know, when God lavishes a fist on me, Satan will probably scream at God that, Don't you know how filthy and selfish this guy is? And I believe God will smile at Satan. And then Jesus Christ will show his open arms with his scars. That is the most lavish love of God for me and you. The final phrase is, my cup overflows. Overflowing cup means someone is overpouring the cup. You know, here the host wants to assure that his guest is so welcomed and honored and beloved. So he ordered the waiters to pay full attention. So every time David takes a cup and one of them, you know, the, the waiters was hovering around him and they quickly rushes over to fill his cup over and over and again. They are so eager to do that. So his cup overflows. So this is the final gospel, gospel truth today. God overpours my cup with his love to overflow. God doesn't just love me. God so loved me. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, who am I that you love me so much? What have I done to deserve your lavish fist and high honor? I'm nothing more than a prodigal, but you welcome me back as your child. You prepared the fattened calf and the overpoured my cup. My heart is truly overflowing with joy and gratitude. If you are for me, who can be against me? Your love is the strong and mighty fortress of my soul. I will sing your love with all of my heart and all of my strength today and forever. In the most lavish name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.